We're rolling. Alright. Welcome back, my lovely, beautiful people, to another episode of Figuring It Out, in which we try to figure it out. And what is it, you might ask? Tis life. So that is that. Valid. Um, this is my friend Jack. You've seen Jack before. If you don't know Jack, he's you Jack. Should. I'm Jack. That's it, Jack. That's so, enough speaking for you. Okay. This is my show. No, fuck it, you. Um, Jack. I was walking today. That's where you first messed up. <laughs> I was walking today, and uh, I was thinking, you know, man, I'd love to record a conversation with you because I think you and I have a lot of insight, and we have something very, uh, we have a lot of wisdom to share, and it's kind of a disservice. Maybe not wisdom, but we have a lot of ideas, which are pretty good, that should be shared, in my opinion. And I was thinking, I think the best place to start about sharing ideas that help people is to start with the very concept of sharing ideas itself. Okay. And what I mean by that is something we're both well known for. Something that many of our friends, they respect us for, we're kind of known for it. And we were talking about it last night about the fact that Oftentimes we forget we're good at it because it just comes so natural to us. And that, my friend, is the art of conversation. Right. And really what I wanted to dive into today with you is how does one have good, meaningful, quality conversations with people? Whether it be your best friends or a complete stranger on the street. Okay. I'm into that. Would you like me to go? Yeah. How to just have a good conversation? There's a few angles to hit it at. I feel like the first one is you need to get free of self-judgment. Because in conversations, a lot of times we fear that someone will judge what we say. Or maybe the idea that what we posit might be incorrect or wrong, and we don't want to, in some sense, feel rejected, which means that, in some sense, you would have to really go into that and analyze yourself and your own fears as it pertains to a conversation with someone, especially someone new. Okay. Um, I mean, like, my immediate... uh, reaction is just naturally the sauna because all good conversations occur in the sauna when you and five other men are half naked sweating panting um filled with testosterone and energy many of you guys are probably hard that's Um, just you you included uh yeah sure (laughs) okay god damn you're good but okay okay um The next part after that is, well, that kind of corresponds to being willing to allow for a good conversation. I think one part of a good conversation is allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Mm. And, I mean, what it all comes down to is saying exactly the truth, whatever that may be, without any filters. Mm. 
Actually, yeah, we're diving into a rabbit hole here. Maybe let's back up and define good conversation. If that is the goal of this thing, like, okay. let's define what a good conversation is. Sure. The way I would... I guess a good conversation is a feeling. It's not an objective, measurable thing of, you know, mm-hmm. if all of these things occur, it's a good conversation. I agree. It's not a, it's not a to-do list. Right. So what I believe, at least to me, what how I know I had a good conversation is when I came out of a dialogue with someone feeling better about myself and the other person. Like, I really got to know the person on a deeper level. Yeah. Or... Yeah that I got to know maybe some topic that we were talking about on a deeper level and that I gained some insight or wisdom because of that conversation. Or maybe even you learned something about yourself. 100%. Right? Like, there's definitely times I've been in a conversation where I'd, I actually learn more about myself than the other person, even if the other person is talking more than me. Right. Right. Which is, I guess... Maybe the, the point of a good conversation is to come away from it feeling good, which is a very abstract concept, right? Like, it's a lot of times, like, yeah, like, I come out of conversation feeling good most of the times with my mm-hmm. friends, right? Most of us probably have that, but, but there's a difference between that and, like, a good conversation. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe, like, a good conversation is satisfying to a degree. Always. It, like, satisfies a part of you, right? It's a game. It's a... Uh... It's a little game that you're trying to maneuver through together, which is the cool thing. I guess one aspect of, since now we've defined what a good conversation is, or at least feels like, the part that most people think about in a conversation is how can I say the most or the best? (laughs) Yeah. And how can I get my point across? Or... (laughs) How can I impress the other person? Yeah. (laughs) What actually translates to a good conversation is the art of listening. And rather than thinking of your own, you know, next talking point, it's how can I listen to the other person attentively so I fully understand them? Dude, I say this all the time. You know this. I say it and and I love this line. And I keep it in my back pocket whenever I want to seem cooler to other people. No, I'm fucking with you. I keep it in my back pocket. But it's in 99% of conversations, people are talking at each other, not with each other. Mm -hmm. It is me versus you. It is my point versus your point. It is my argument versus your argument. It is is this versus that. It is this inherently like separate isolation thing where it's we know this because we, we've dove deep into the world like psychology and this and that and blah 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 but most people in conversation are simply projecting their thoughts or their ideas or their opinions onto another person mm-hmm. and they're not listening but they're they're not listening to the other person they're talking at the other person and listening to the pro- to their projection of the other person, their opinions, their prejudgments, and all that kind of stuff. And that's likely for some kind of, like, reaffirmation of their own ideas or beliefs. Yeah. Yeah, like, you ever meet someone who they talk politics with you simply because they want to make themselves 
mm-hmm. seem righteous in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cough, cough, vegans. I love you guys. Please don't, please don't beat me up. I love vegans. That's fair. I mean, a lot of... Vegans are hot, I swear. Okay. A lot of conversation, I guess an average conversation, is signaling. Yeah. <laughs> and trying to, you know, signal where you stand in the social hierarchy mm. and where you stand in the intellectual hierarchy. And it's just signaling of, hey, this is how you should view me. Yeah. Rather than just bring your authentic self and not really caring how others view you and just saying, this is what I have to offer, which is my two ears and my one mouth. Wow. And... You know, I'll use my ears a little bit more than my mouth and only say what is needed to be said. So there's two things there which I think are absolutely golden. Absolutely golden. Beautiful. Which is one, being your authentic self in conversation and not being afraid of judgment. And two, listening more than you speak. Hmm. And we definitely both agree on these two points. But what I really want to go into is like the authentic self. And, sure. and kind of allowing yourself to be in conversation and to be you, not trying to be someone that makes someone else impressed, not trying to be someone who does this or that or is this way or that way. But like, how do you be you in a conversation? It's a hard question. I'm thinking of it in the worst case scenario where you have no idea. Um, the thing is, since I've cultivated at least a pretty strong understanding of who I am now, yeah. it comes more naturally and I don't have to... I guess, here's how I'll hit it. The way... I would say your authentic self is who you are naturally without trying. Yeah, And so... The way to be your authentic self is to not think about it and simply to just be. And if you have something to say, say it. Yeah, you can't try to be authentic. Right. Those are two antithetical things. Yeah. yeah. The second you try, you're not being authentic. And so the second you start thinking about the conversation, you're not thinking about your authentic self and you're not bringing your authentic self. Yeah. Which is why one thing I love about conversation is it always generally puts me in the flow if it's a good conversation. And what that means is the only thoughts that are occurring are what's said. There's not a single thought in my mind when I'm in a conversation. Yeah, it's almost like you're, you're like, tapped into this, like, machine of words. It's just, like, feeding you the exact beautiful, most poetic, perfect things to say when they need to be said. Pretty much, yeah. It's, uh, you're, you, in some sense, channel the universe through you in a, conversation i like to think of it as a linguistic dance yeah that's so sexy (laughs) a linguistic tango a word like a ooh a phonetic frenzy okay maybe frenzy (laughs) is a little too much but i like the alliteration yeah 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 and the thing is i mean that's what a conversation is it's you're trying to trigger thing positive things i'd hope in the other person, which then spur a train of thought. That's what's fun about a conversation, is you get to discover what lies beneath your subconscious. Yeah, I think one thing that's interesting that you mentioned earlier, which is, like, which is the linguistic dance, and the idea that like, 
conversation is something which you, you know, is spurring and like triggering positive things. Maybe another attribute of a good conversation, and you talk about flow, we know that flow is often associated with intrinsically motivated activities. If your goal is to get something out of a conversation, I think that's the number one way to limit a good conversation. Yeah, I would say that's generally pretty true. When you go into a conversation expecting anything, rather than just to have a conversation, it's immediately going to be a flawed conversation. Yes, it's it's sort of like what Alan Watts says, or so many other like Eastern thinkers. I love Watts. Yeah, we love Alan Watts, but uh, he's like. The point of a dance is to dance. The point of a conversation is to converse. There is no end goal. There is no, I'm, I want to get this out of them or I want to look this way. Because as soon as you start that, it, you, you, you've doomed it to fail from the beginning. It Essentially. Just, it has to be a positive, self-motivated intention. Always. I mean, one thing... I mean, I've been having great conversations in the sauna recently, Valid. and it always goes so deep. And the way it always starts is just by asking a lot of times why, as well as well, how does that make you feel, and actually listening to the answer. And then if you don't have a response, don't try to fake a response. Just be inquisitive and think about the other person first. Real quick, while we're on that, I think it's a beautiful thing that you say, and you and I do this unconsciously. All right, maybe, maybe we do it. Maybe you do it consciously. I do it unconsciously, and I, I think you do too. We ask, how does that make you feel versus what do you think about that? And those are two different questions. Oh, completely, because one is coming from a deeper part of you, and the other is just, well, what have you logically rationalized about the irrational? And how many times do other people in your life ask you, how does that make you feel? Or what is this? And, and when people say, think, so they say, they respond to that question is, oh, I think this. No, 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 no. I feel this. Right. And maybe we're looking too deep into it, and I am someone who probably gets No, it's a very important differentiation. But, but I think it's an important differentiation when someone, when someone gives a logical answer to an illogical question, like, Say, you know, if, if you ask someone, like, how does that make you feel? And they say, I think that, you know, I should think this way. Right? No, 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 no. We're, we're, we're talking about feelings. Mm-hmm. And feelings are in different. A, in a conversation, you have to feel the conversation. You can't rationalize or think about a conversation. You can't plan it out from, from step one and say, I'm going to go here and this and there. It's not a mm-hmm. debate. Like, 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 this isn't a debate team where you come in with a, a claim and an argument and a counterclaim. Like, No. No. No, of course not. Um, what would you say hinders a conversation from going deeper? If you don't cultivate the environment to which that is a sort of conversation that is comfortable. Okay, so one thing I guess we can dive into is the environment in which a conversation occurs. You know, one thing is I generally don't really have, I was actually thinking about this today, it's very rare I have really good conversations at work because like when I'm at work, I don't really intend to have good conversations and I don't intend to, you know, go deeper with my boss. 
Yeah. I think that's part of it is just respecting boundaries. And, and, and I think the beautiful thing is because you and I are young and we're surrounded by a lot of young people, especially in like party settings or, or you know, you're in the sauna or this or that. I think a lot, I think young people generally have less boundaries because they've been less conditioned by the world of boundaries. Think about that. So you're saying that less, that younger people, or I'm just going to use a lot of people because I don't think it's, I think it's every age, um, don't really understand what is respectful to bring to a conversation and what is this outright disrespect. Oh, wait. What is disrespectful to bring to a conversation? I'll give an example. Laying judgment upon what someone else says. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, That's unacceptable. Trying to outwit someone. Anything that relates to a status or um, a hierarchy of in a conversation, you have to be on the same level as the other person. Yep. Which is why, you know, the thing is, if someone's not willing to go deeper, I believe it would be disrespectful disrespectful to, to keep trying to pose them to go deeper. Oh, absolutely. You, you, you can't, it's, it's like the same way you can't force change onto someone, you can't force someone to go deeper. And I think, right. well, this is a good question then one has to be receptive to that and mm -hmm. know when it's time to stop prodding, when, when it's time to stop poking. And I think that comes with, number one, maybe that just comes with, like, the more you converse, the more aware you become of it and the better you're able to, like, build that muscle to recognize it. Right. But two, it's being aware to the sort of things you normally wouldn't be, pay attention to, such as body language, such as eye contact. Um, I think more, a lot of people are aware of eye contact, but they don't really think about it that much. But a big one, huge one, is tone of voice. Oh, yeah. Tone of voice is everything. Because it's those subconscious cues that are picked up that allow you and the other person to determine how to react and how to act in the conversation. And so if, you know, you have a really fast-paced, I'm going to use the word, like, sharp voice and probably high-pitched, like, you're going to be intimidating... Dude, this is, this is why, personally, I'm someone who talks really, really fast. Mm. Not really, really fast, but I could talk very fast. And I used to talk incredibly fast. We both fast. can. Yeah, for but sure. learning to slow it down, mm -hmm. especially when we're presenting or something like that, but just overall learning to slow it down right. is one of the best things you, you can do to not come off super intense. 100%. Right? And super, like, demanding. Oh, yeah. Another big thing, which I guess just spurred to my mind, is rephrasing the other person's, I guess, response mm. to show that you truly understand what is being said. Active listening, one might say. Mm -hmm. But I guess this is like the how to, how does one actually go about that? And, you know, one thing my grandma always taught me was repeat the main point that the other person made so that they feel heard. Because the thing is, there's one thing of just, you know, 
going like this and having eye contact and looking like you're listening, and I'm still working on this myself, is to, you know, not just jump to whatever it is your point may be, because I guess this is very much like a debate or a heated conversation, because then the other person won't feel heard, and they're going to be like, well, my point just went in through one ear and out the other. Yeah. And then it's not about who's right or wrong at that point. It's just disrespect. It is disrespect, yeah. And that's a big thing in a conversation of, a good conversation always occurs when both parties feel comfortable. And when both parties trust the other person. And I think at some level we all crave, a, we definitely all crave a good conversation. 100%. Because yeah. it allows you to, I guess, toy with your own mind and the mind of another person. Yeah. And really discover what is lying beneath the conscious. I guess that's the really fun thing about a conversation is, at least for me, I'll always end up saying things that I didn't even really know myself. <laughs> I guess that's where like, the wisdom comes in. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, someone might then ask me, well, just, hey, like, what do you guys talk about? Or, um, you know, tell me this, this, this. I'm like, dude, I don't know. Like, if you talk about it, maybe I'll say something profound. Maybe I won't. Like, you That's had to the be fun there. part. Yeah. Of the coolest part in a conversation is when you get those epiphanies. Yeah. And when you discover something new. Or a different way of looking at something. I mean, what you're really talking about in a conversation is you're sharing a narrative of how you perceive the world. And we all crave storytelling. We crave stories because it shows some truth as to, one, how you should, I guess, perceive the world. And, you know, that's why we love drama, because then we know what not to do. And it also shows you what else is going on in the world around you in the same vicinity, mm. which I guess is something cool as well. It's like we all want to hear those hero stories. It's why we all make up these tales and have these, I guess, archetypal stories. Because on some level, they are universally true, which is the art of storytelling, is reaching that deeper state that resonates with the other individuals. And most times in conversation, when you're talking from a place of truth and vulnerability, that is what appears. Because the thing is, well, it is true, and it's about you, and it's vulnerable. Yeah. I... Like, when you're vulnerable, you lower your guard, and naturally the other person lowers theirs, too. Yeah, and especially when it comes to conversation, like... I think one other thing that makes us good conversers is like the fact that we're willing to be vulnerable. Not we're willing, we're happy to be vulnerable first. Right. And, it, and it's come out of like a long time, right? It's not like we just woke up one day and we're like, mm, I'm ready to talk about the things that happened to me. No, it, it came over a long time and we've gone through the whole like belief and then going deep into that and like reforming our thoughts and all like all that kind of stuff, right? How do you think one cultivates that vulnerability, especially in a conversation with new people? That's the hardest part. Two things. Actually, more than two things. But one, 
is the realization that if you don't do it, it's very doubtful someone else is going to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Two, I think I'm really good at cultivating a space for, the, for that sort of vulnerability, not only because I might be vulnerable first, or, I'm, or I might say like, yeah, if someone, some, if someone mentions something that triggers a thought in me, or like, I'll say like, I dealt, I dealt that, uh, you know, after I broke up with this person, you know, I was feeling like that, or I say, I feel insecure all the time, especially when you, know, you, you go into whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing, which is honestly really underrated, is my approach going into a conversation is always playful. Oh, yeah. Like, like, I never am super serious off the bat. Like, like, or if I'm serious, I'm serious in a funny way. All right. So this is actually the question that came to my mind as you were speaking. Because you're very good at this in a conversation, which is cultivating humor. How would you say one goes about incorporating humor in a conversation? Especially, you know, to go deeper and to allow for vulnerability and allow for those truths to come out. Humor. So how does one give room for humor in a conversation without, and I'll do it a little addendum to the question, without being too cringy or without trying Mm -hmm. too hard? Because humor that tries too hard is bleh. I think number one is understanding comedy or understanding humor. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I'm a incredibly funny guy and like I'm the world but I definitely enjoy comedy and I definitely look at it whether it be in the right form of writing or whether it be in the form of telling stand-up jokes or in stories right Mm -hmm. I just love it I think all funny things have to be truthful okay it has to have a grain of truth you'll hear this a lot since that people say like laughter has to point at something that hurts a little bit Mm mm-hmm and if the in people and oftentimes you, you hear like the truth hurts, therefore if the truth hurts and laughter is the truth, laughter has to hurt sometime, and it doesn't have to hurt in the sense of it has to pain you and make you feel like ah. But it has to resonate with some deeper part of you. But it has to resonate, and, and I think one thing I'm good at, and I don't look too deep into this because I think there's a point where you could just like go way too deep. I'm quite good at self-deprecating humor or making fun of stupid shit that we all think about. Yeah, 100%. So I guess in some sense you could then say that the best type of humor is when you make jokes about yourself. Oh, 100%. Because, and then you also reveal universal truths within that joke because, well, chances are the other person can relate. Yeah, for example, I I talk about all the time, like, uh, some of the jokes I make is, like, when I used to be, like super social media fitness dude like Mm -hmm. and and i joke about myself like that or i joke about the fact that uh right now i'm in a really good mental headspace but that's like because i'm just like i went down a huge meditation and a spirituality rabbit hole and then like talked me in two weeks when i'm like (laughs) when when i'm hungry and tired and like fucking stayed up the entirety of night i'm gonna be a whole different person it's like being able to to make fun of yourself you get you you kind of kill two birds with one stone, mm-hmm. right? You you allow yourself to be vulnerable, and number two, you show that you can be funny and like you don't have to take yourself so seriously. And like, if you do that, the other person naturally will like fall into that. And and 
I don't know. There's a very special thing about laughter where it just like makes people feel so much more comfortable. Oh yeah. Right. So I guess here's a good place to end it off with the last kind of thing. I think what also cultivates a good conversation is to smile. Yeah, to smile and like and like have fun with it. Yeah. Like, no one wants to have a conversation with someone that just looks super serious and just, like, they're not enjoying life and the conversation. Like, it's not yeah, fun. Dude, it fucking sucks. Like, like, whenever I've had those types of conversations with someone who's, like, super monotone and flat and has no emotion and it's mm-hmm. just a neutral, I feel like an asshole because I'm like, am I annoying you? Like, yeah. I, li- I literally say that. I'll be like, am I annoying you? And they're like, no, like, I'm enjoying this. I'm like, you're enjoying this? Like, what? I'm just, enjoy- what? There's this- this- I'm in deep reflection right now. Then I'll be like, all right, valid. Yeah, like- yeah, well, yeah, but then both of you guys are sort of in deep reflection, right? right? But, um, yeah, man, you got to have fun with it. Because if you're not having fun with it, like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. What's the point of having a conversation? But also just smiling at the other person shows that everything is good. Yeah, it's, and this ties into the fact that you don't want to be a judgy bitch. Yeah. As someone who used to be a judgy bitch... I didn't like being a judgy bitch. And mm-hmm. people didn't like me when I was a judgy bitch. Because when you judge, it's only a projection of the self. What we dislike in others is a projection of what we dislike in ourselves. Exactly. And I guess the best way to end a conversation is to talk about when to end a conversation or what to do when the conversation is going a little stale. And I think the best thing or the best heuristic that I use is when it looks like the other person is not speaking, stop talking. This might be unpopular, but dude, this is me because I'm about to say this, and 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 anyone who watches this is gonna text me and be like, "You are manipulating people," because what I'm about to say is oh, gonna God. seem like an absolute manipulation. Okay. Are you familiar with the peak end principle? No. So this is something done by... You ever heard of Daniel Kahneman? Uh, thinking fast and slow? Yes. In addition, like, very famous Israeli psychologist that kind of, like, pioneered the mm-hmm. field of, like, attention psychology and perception and so much of this. And he found this really interesting thing. It's called the peak end principle, which is basically people remember the peaks of experiences... And that how it ended. So, for example, he used the he used the uh, example of of vacations, where people always remember the best thing about a vacation, the worst thing about a vacation, and sort of how it ended or how it wrapped up. And I think the same thing is with conversation. We never really remember. Maybe I don't. I speak for myself here. Like no one remembers the middle. No one remembers the middle. You remember the best part. You remember the worst part, maybe, when it was, like, first starting off, you guys are kind of rocky. Mm-hmm. And you remember the end of it and how it made you feel at the end. So what I like to do is, like, I end it before it gets stale. Oh, yeah. I like to end it on a really good high net when, like, especially when they say something really good. Cause, and then I'm like, damn, that was really good. Or, or if they say something really funny, I'm like, and I, and I laugh or whatever. And I'm like, I'm just sorry, like, I got to head out and, like, do this or that. Or maybe I'm like... This is such a great conversation, but I'm a, like, I want to meet other people. Um, mm. and, and I say it like... I'm it's a, a party trick. That's, that's <laughs> for me, it's a party trick, right? I say, yeah, this is such a good, like, let me grab your number or, or if I, if I want to hang out with them or like, you're really interesting, whatever it is, like, just give them a compliment and be like, thank you, right? Like a pre... 
I have never, ever felt bad when people appreciate me, right? So, you know, be grateful for them. End it off on a high note. And for me, if I'm at a party and say something, I'm like, I'm a social butterfly and I love to meet all these people. So let's circle back, like something along those lines. Mm. Or, for example, yesterday I was at a coffee shop and I was having a great conversation with this chick. And we probably could have gone for another like two hours. But I was like, I got to go and do some stuff. But like, this is great. Let me grab your number. Something like that. Um, Shows that there's more good yeah. conversations to be had in the future. Exactly. Exactly. It's, okay. it, it, it gives the the promise or something not like some, like not like the promise but it gives it's the, an open feedback loop it's a open feedback loop um yeah it, it's just great and so i always like to end it off on high note even before it starts getting stale and if it does start to get stale then yeah I, I would say shut up and like listen or maybe like just ask a complete out of left field question like, go completely, just, like, out of nowhere, and just, compl- for example, I remember I asked someone at a party, I was talking, we we're, were pretty deep, then we ended the, the, the trail, I said, what's something you're really proud of yourself about? And they're like, what? I'm like, no one's ever asked me that. I'm like, would you rather me ask you your name and your major? Like, no. And they were like, let me think about that for a second. And they thought about it. And then suddenly we went down another rabbit hole. Right. Right. So I think also being open to pivoting and being open to whatever. Being adaptable. Amazing. Yeah, bro. I think it's a good place to leave it off. So what's something you're struggling with? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking with you. All right, thanks, bro. Take care. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Take care, y'all. Goodbye. Follow my shit on links. Description. You know the vibes. Peace.